Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. And today I'm going to be chatting with Dr. Henry Zaremba about overcoming mental health challenges post-TBI. Hello, I'm Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, as well as the Concussion Discussions series. All of those are available on Amazon. And additionally, I'm editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get a free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Instagram at Amy Zellmer, and I invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, our guest is Dr. Henry Zaremba, or Dr. Z, if you like, and he is a board-certified chiropractic neurologist with over five years of experience as the lead clinician at a top brain rehabilitation clinic. With over 500 hours of postdoctoral studies in clinical neuroscience and hundreds of patients treated, Dr. Z is skilled at activating the brain's ability to recover and become more optimal. Dr. Z's specialized training includes diagnosing and treating brain, spine, and nervous disorders without medication or surgery. His extensive experience treating patients recovering from traumatic brain injury, addiction, cognitive decline, and those seeking peak performance make him a perfect fit for Apex Brain Centers. As an exercise and sports science graduate and collegiate ice hockey player at UNC Chapel Hill, Dr. Z's personal experience with concussions sparked a deep interest in traumatic brain injuries and set him on his career path. He completed his postgraduate training at Palmer Chiropractic College, earning his doctorate of chiropractic degree. When not treating patients, he enjoys spending time hiking, rock climbing, or practicing yoga with his wife, daughter, and dogs. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Z. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm a big fan of your books and just your message and getting things out there. So um, this, is a, this is a great, great experience for me. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on the show. Yeah, well, and huge thank you to... Dr. Trayford for connecting us. So shout out to him. Um, I've, oh, yeah, I've enjoyed, absolutely. yeah, I've enjoyed following your clinic and um, just all the great things that you guys are all doing over there. Um, so, Dr. Z, let's maybe start with you know we got a glimpse of it in your bio. <clears throat> Excuse me, but maybe share a little bit more with us how you made the decision to you know, come to work in this realm with brain injury patients? What sure. led you here? Thanks for asking. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like a lot of people in the uh, health sciences world, I do have a personal story about how my area of interest uh, uh, became that way. And for me, it started with uh, growing up as an ice hockey player. Um, it was a pretty big part of my life growing up, uh, considering I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, south of the Mason-Dixon line. Um, Raleigh actually has become this pretty big hotbed for ice hockey in the South with the success of the Carolina Hurricanes since they've won their Stanley Cup in the mid-2000s. But uh, anyways, um, as, a, uh, as an ice hockey player, and uh, I wrestled in high school as well, so I, I just I loved the rough-and-tumble sports, I guess you could say. And um, when I was playing at UNC Chapel Hill, when I was playing in college my senior year, I had a, uh, a hit that I don't remember happening um, I suffered a concussion, mm. and um, it was the type of thing where I definitely had had my uh, – we always used to use the term, like, you got your bell rung or, you know, something along those, something along those lines. Um, and that was something that wasn't totally new to me. I spent a lot of my hockey career – I always tell people I was mostly just trying not to get hit. Um, but uh, <laughs> that one, I, I, I definitely got caught on that one. And um, uh, basically – that was, I was used to the idea of like whatever headache or tired or that's just kind of normal, but this one affected me on a bit of a deeper level. I was having some difficulty with uh, some depression, some insomnia, my anxiety started to get a lot worse. And I was kind of dealing with some of these things on probably I would say the average level for a, a college student living the college lifestyle, staying up late and, you know, partying, drugs alcohol, all that kind of fun stuff that probably didn't mm -hmm. uh, set me up to do well with that head injury. Um, but uh, it really just kind of opened up my, my mind to the awareness of, uh, you know, your brain really does dictate your experience in life. And um, it, uh, I started reading articles on a publication called the Players Tribune, uh, which is, it's like Sports Illustrated, except all of the articles are written directly by athletes themselves. So it spans across different sports, basketball, I read a lot of articles by uh, hockey players, some boxers, football players, um, female soccer players, gymnasts. Um, I, I really kind of went on this deep dive reading about these different athletes that had been talking about their concussions, the different symptoms they'd experienced, how it affected their careers, um, how it affected their lives off the court or the ice or the field. Um, and also what really fascinated me was learning about some of the progressive therapies um, and other ways that people were actually uh, treating and, and dealing with their concussions to try to get back uh, back to competing as soon as possible. Um, and at the time, I was uh, on track to, I was thinking something along the lines of athletic training or just staying involved in sports. I didn't have any illusions of going to the NHL at that point. But um, I just, you know, loved sports, always wanted to be involved in that. Um, and uh, I actually stumbled across an article that talked about Sidney Crosby, who was a fairly prominent player at the time, um, mm -hmm. and his his young career as one of the best hockey players in the world was basically in danger of ending early uh, after he suffered two concussions uh, within a few months of each other. Um, he had a real tough time coming back from the second one. He ended up working with uh, a doctor named Dr. Ted Carrick, who is credited by most as being sort of the sort of the father of, of chiropractic or, or applied clinical uh, chiropractic neurology or applied clinical neurosciences um, and uh, basically what all these other docs couldn't do you know a, a 
the chiropractic neurologist stepped in and basically saved his career. And, you know, Sid's still out there on the ice today. The Penguins are having a surprisingly good season. So um, it's, uh, that was, that was kind of how I got into it. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really grateful that uh, uh, grateful that those articles were out there because uh, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I just, there's just there's so much from having some lived experience too, right? As a doctor, and um, being able to truly understand what the patient's going through. Because so often we go to doctors and they just, you know, they've never experienced one, so they have no idea. They can empathize, but right, but they can't sympathize. Um, right. So I, I, there's just something to be said about working with a doctor who who does have some lived experience with it. So. Um, I appreciate that about you. Um, so let's let's dive into our topic today because I think it's a really important topic: overcoming mental health challenges after TBI. Um, you know, I don't think there's anyone who can escape <laughs> having some mental health challenges because um, I right. mean it's just it, it's just devastating, it's life altering, and there's just no way to not have it affect our mental health. And um, Absolutely. Where, where would you like to start with this topic? I'll kind of let you steer sure. that conversation. Great. No, appreciate that. I think um, one of the things is it's like you always hear people start off with statistics, right? And they like half the time sound basically just like made up. And it's like, where are you getting those numbers from? <laughs> but um, going, to, right. going to the, uh, looking at the CDC, right? So just looking at painting in some kind of broad strokes. Uh, about one in five U.S. adults live with a mental illness. Um, we're looking at one in five in youth age 13 to 18, um, and that's just kind of general, right? So not even talking about concussions or head injuries, you know, with most patients that I see in the office, and it's almost one of those things I'm sure some of the health care providers that are uh, listening can identify with this, is you go into a room and you're kind of talking to a patient about, you know, their medical history or what brings them into the office and you kind of get to the portion where you're, uh, you're, you're asking about like psychosocial factors and you say, oh, so you do you have any anxiety? Do you have any sources of stress? And yeah, <laughs> no, nobody, uh, nobody goes silent there. So um, mm-hmm. without, without understanding the impact of head injury, the impact of mental illness on uh, a huge proportion of people in this country and our brain health is massive. One of the biggest associations yeah. in terms of the medical research with longer life expectancy and better health in old age is having a purpose in life. And what does that come down to? That comes down to feeling, feeling good on a day-to-day uh, basis, right? Feeling like you're working towards something. Um, and people with mental illnesses, they tend to have difficulty kind of fitting into that sort of onto that track or that sort of perspective on things. Um, so this isn't some sort of isolated phenomena we're talking about that just affects the brain. Mental illness affects um, your aging. It affects your heart. It affects your GI system. I mean, it affects every every system of the body is going to be affected when we have mental illness and when we have brain dysfunction. Um, and then talking about head injuries, right? So one in five people who have a head injury uh, or any sort of uh, specifically mild traumatic brain injury or concussion are, uh, are are liable to have uh, some sort of mental health illness or mental health issue 
uh, up to six months after the head injury. So this is an immensely common thing, even among people that aren't hitting their head. But when we start to talk about these patients that present, especially for uh, at our clinic, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, we see patients with cognitive deficits um, and learning behavioral disorders as well as head injuries. So oftentimes patients will come in not talking about concussions or head injuries as one of the reasons they're seeking our care. But when we start going through the process of asking them about, you know, were you ever in a car accident? Have you ever had a concussion? Have you had a sports concussion? Um, you know, unfortunately, we're here about people who are involved in, you know, assault and those types of situations. But regardless, people don't even, it doesn't even come to their mind that, oh, yeah, I was in a car accident three years ago, and that was yeah. about the time that my depression started, you know, and people don't even make that yep. association. Um, so this is just a, a, to me, right, it seems immensely obvious that this is just such a, a, a basic um, uh, a phenomena that we need to be screening for in these, these head injury yes. patients um, that I don't know if it's getting yes. the attention it deserves. And I'm glad you bring this up because, you know, I've heard from so many different funk neuro docs who talk about just a thorough history can tell us so much. And like mm-hmm. you just said, weeding out, like, have you ever hit your head? Have you ever been in a bad car accident? Um, you know, just those leading questions can get you so much more information. And that's one of those things you hear as a student and you think like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever, you know, like, <laughs> I'm sure. Like, <laughs> right. they just say that, you know, like, it's just one of those things. But then, you you know, you get out into the real world and you're working with people and it's like, actually, yes, like, that dramatically changed my understanding of this patient and what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, another population that kind of comes to mind as a great example is um, – our, our center um, is located in Asheville, North Carolina, kind of nestled in the mountains um, in the Appalachia, um, not Appalachia. When people say that, you know, they're not from here. But um, uh, <laughs> Asheville is kind of a uh, sort of a destination. <laughs> it's, uh, it's sort of a destination, you know, there's, there's a high amount of recovery programs for substance abuse disorder and uh, addiction issues. Um, and we actually have relationships with uh, a number of these centers in the area because they recognize how our clinical neuroscience approach is going to help enhance their talk therapy, their, um, you know, sort of the, the things they're trying to do to help not only detox but kind of help this person get over their addiction. Um, but with this population as we're going through, you know, it, it, the history can be challenging at times. But with, with this type of population, you know, did you ever – fall asleep behind the wheel, you know, were you ever assaulted in a, a deal that went wrong or, you know, something along those lines. Um, you know, so many of these patients have histories of head injuries, whether it's related to their drug use um, or it's not. Um, that's something that, we, that we're finding pretty commonly. And even just helping these people connect the dots can be a profound, a profound understanding for them to have because, Dealing with the mental health world in general, especially the substance abuse world, one of our biggest enemies is stigma and people's sort of perceptions of what are other people think of me because I'm, you know, going through this treatment or I'm just broken or I'm no good and those sort of, that type of negative self-talk is something that we're always trying to fight against. And helping patients to understand, like, this isn't just you don't have willpower or you're a bad person. This is 
dysfunction and, and issues that are happening with the circuits in your brain associated with decision-making and executive function um, and our, our ability to kind of inhibit those impulses. Um, one of the crossovers we see very much, especially in the substance abuse population, is people with a history or active ADHD because our ability to inhibit impulses very much related to attentional skills because if you're, you know, I always think I have two dogs, right, and you know, that whole phenomena of squirrel, you know, can't hold their eyes on anything. Um, so if we can't inhibit impulses where basically just anything moves or any sort of general impulse happens and, and our brain is changing its trajectory and changing its behavior based on that, as opposed to building those executive centers of the brain, those attentional and focus centers of the brain that can help us to kind of rise above those feelings that we're having around a particular substance or in a particular moment to be able to make a more forward-thinking and, and beneficial decision for our health. Sorry, I guess I was on mute. Oh, <laughs> I, was I wasn't talking. sure. I was like, so do, we, do I stop and redial her or do no, I just carry I'm the so show sorry. on from here? <laughs> I apparently muted myself. Um, you know, I, I was starting to say, you know, you, were, you talked about statistics earlier. Um, and I, there was one statistic I also wanted to include in this is that um, those who've had a brain injury are 10 times more likely to have suicidal ideation. Um, and also, you know, to clarify, ideation doesn't mean that they're going to follow through with it. It just means that they're thinking about suicide. Um, and that's, that's a pretty staggering statistic that they're 10 times more likely than, you know, just the average person. Um, and so I don't know if you have anything you, you would like to add to that. Oh no! Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, um, the that's that's a really heavy topic to talk about with people, and it's one of those things where when you're you know in the throes of clinical practice and you're seeing these people day in and day out, and you, you know, take a second and really think about what someone's saying to you when they're saying, "I'm you know mm -hmm. I'm thinking of ways to take my own life, whatever form that is, whether it's you know serious suicidal planning or it's more just." that ideation of, you know, the brain is saying I want to kill myself and really it just means I, I want to be anywhere but in this present moment experiencing this experience right now. Um, but, uh, you know, that's one of those things too where working with the uh, substance abuse and addiction world, you know, luckily joining at Apex, um, uh, Dr. Trayford is uh, one of the foremost experts, especially from the clinical neuroscientific approach to substance abuse disorder and uh, addiction, so I've got a great teacher with this. Um, but this population of patients has taught me so much about brain function. So with someone who uh, has possibly you know, has a history of addiction, substance abuse disorder, and has been mm -hmm. in, in and out of a few different centers or programs that's unfortunately common, they almost know this like game to play, if that makes sense, where they know the right things to say to you once they realize you're a doctor and, and you know, what not to say. Um, and they're kind of used to just sort of like placating or just kind of, you know, personality mirroring, saying what they have to to kind of get through, you know, and be able to, you know, use again is ultimately a lot of times what their brain is, is kind of trying to drive their behavior towards. So I've had a several instances with patients where I've, you know, asked them about suicidal ideation or other things. And initially, mm -hmm. you know, I met with, you know, there's 
no, not at all. And then as once there's some rapport and some trust and, you know, maybe the patient starts to feel a little better, have a little bit more access to, you know, their frontal brain and, and their ability to kind of let their guard down, you know, then sometimes these things will come up and come out. And, you know, once they're out, we can do a lot more about it. Um, you know, we have 988 um, up there for everybody, you know, to be aware of. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where it, it, you, can't, uh, you can't be, um, uh, you can't just kind of ignore it. You have to face it head on with mm -hmm. patients, not that you have to fixate on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've definitely had those situations with patients where it's like, it's like they think I'm trying to, you know, lock them up or institutionalize them or something, but ultimately <laughs> right, you know, we're right. trying to get to the root of things so we can help you on a, on a deeper level. But, um, yeah, absolutely. And I just know just, you know, within the community I've grown online and, um, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, like they're pretty open with it in my in my group and, and asking, like, you know, has anyone else ever, like, thought about this? Like, I don't actually want to kill myself, but, like, I think about, like, one I hear a lot is I just wish I would have died in a car accident or mm -hmm. whatever the accident was. I hear that one a lot. Um, you know, they feel like they're a burden to their family or their caregiver, you know, and, um or they're just, like, in my case, I was just in so much chronic pain that mm. I was like, I, I would just kind of wish I could kill myself because then I wouldn't be in pain. Sure. I knew I didn't want to, but, like, I had those thoughts. Um, mm. And, you know, again, I know this is super common post-TBI. Absolutely. And, you know, people, oftentimes I'll tell people it's like you're, you're trusting your own thoughts too much, if that makes sense, you know, and, and um, it's easy to, to take the voice in our head as, as fact, but, you know, our internal conversations and, you know, our mental health, how we feel about ourselves is, is influenced by a huge amount of factors. I mean, when we talk about head injury and, and TBI, one of the things that is at the root or sort of a, a linchpin of, of this type of process is the neuroinflammatory response. Um, and I know that there's all sorts of research now showing inflammation as basically the root of, of, of most diseases is either too much or too little inflammation in the body. But specifically when we're talking about the brain, um, once there's a head injury, our neurons are some of the most fragile and delicate cells in the body in terms of they need really specific structures. They, they're designed in a specific way uh, and they don't have the best repair processes like your skin, for example, you know, if you get a paper cut, that heals pretty quick for most of us if we're health, generally healthy. Um, whereas with the brain and with a head injury, even if it's what's called a mild traumatic brain injury or a concussion, the neurochemical cascade or the inflammatory response can be just as detrimental. Um, and mm -hmm. there are things that we can do to help the neuroinflammatory response to be more appropriate. Um, but even just helping patients by ordering like a stool test or a neural zoomer through Fiber America, and we can look at the test and we can see, look at these, all of these inflammatory markers, your S100A, your um, beta defense, and all of these things are showing your gut is inflamed. And then we look at the neural zoomer and there's blood-brain barrier dysfunction and there's viral mm -hmm. infections, there's inflammation in the brain as well. 
no wonder you're, you know, considering taking your life. You're, you're not feeling good, you know, and there's a reason you're not feeling good. Um, and one of my other things that I, I see so many patients come in and it's like, well, my doctor told me there's no cause or it's, you know, it's in my head or it's just my genetics or something along those lines. And, you know, I love saying, well, it is in your head, but it's driven by your brain function. It's not something that you're making up or hallucinating. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then even talking about mental health, head injury, not just from an awareness perspective, but what can we do about it? There are a number of fantastic technologies um, and, and therapies and, and, and things out there that can help to promote brain healing. Um, you know, 30 years ago, you know, the idea was lock yourself in a room, you know, and, and kind of cross your fingers, so to speak. Um, whereas now, you know, thanks to some of the new research out of like the University of Buffalo, like the Buffalo bike test or Buffalo treadmill test, we know that active recovery tends to be a better way to help support those cells, but you can also enhance that recovery with things like hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which we use in our office. Um, One of the other things that we use quite a great deal of in our office uh, across conditions is low-level laser therapy or photobiomodulation. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll also hear it called cold laser. Um, We uh, uh, have the uh, good fortune of being able to work with the good folks at Erconia, um, which are doing some amazing research. Uh, we're lucky enough to have our hands on their new GVL cold laser right now. Um, so for kind of stepping back for those who may not know, what cold laser does is it's a, uh, a form of light that when applied to cells is going to have some sort of effect. You know, typically we're trying to accelerate healing responses. And there are different settings for different tissues. For example, the settings and the type of laser you'd want to use on the knee would be very different than you would want to put on your brain. Um, But uh, so the lasers that we use for Arconia are very specifically designed and studied to help with those neuroinflammatory responses that we were just talking about, help those cells to repair themselves, help those cells to regenerate the appropriate amount of neurotransmitters, um, restore connection to the other neurons they should be communicating with for us to feel good. Um, and it can really help accelerate that process. Um, I've had patients feel, you know, feel different instantly after, you know, a five-minute laser treatment with the GVL applied to the frontal lobe, for example, you know, and we can notice that there's maybe it's not gone, but there's a couple percentage points off of that irritability or that dizziness or fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially when we're talking about mental health, I think the more we can connect those dots for patients of, there's a organic neurochemical reason for why you feel the way that you do, and we can fix it. Um, then we can restore that that four-letter word, that hope word for people. Um, yeah, that can that in and of itself can be can be immensely powerful when we talk about the the mental illness world. Yeah. Yeah. And do you guys do any? I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, it's like a magnetic. Um, yeah, PEMF or electromagnetic yes. frequency. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So we do we do transcranial uh, PEMF. Um, we uh, work with a company called BrainMaster for a lot of our. We do QEEG testing, look at a, looking at electrical output over different parts of the brain, and then we can use our QEEG machine to do specialized and individualized forms of neurofeedback. Um, uh, or we can just use it as a machine to apply the PEMF devices uh, to different parts of the brain. But, you know, for example, with a, a QEEG um, and someone who's had a concussion, maybe 
they had pre-existing, you know, bipolar or some other type of depressive disorder, um, maybe we'll see some decrease in the beta activity or slowing of the brain waves in the frontal lobe. We can program our PEMF devices to the specific frequencies that we want to enhance and then target the specific areas of the frontal lobe that that individual um, would need the most from a clinical standpoint. Um, and then, you know, getting even more fun with it, I feel like a mad scientist sometimes. I can take the PEMF <laughs> device off, or I can do laser at the same time over the same areas mm. of the brain um, or over the abdomen for gut-brain connections, um, yep. you know, over the vagus nerve. So, um, you know, it, it starts to get... Uh, almost fun, you know, from my perspective, um, looking at these tools that I have and knowing that they can help these people and also knowing that the rate of adverse effects when we talk about things like low-level laser is just immensely low. Um, so uh, it's, I think this is one of those things where laser very much lends itself to helping people with these types of mental health sequelae to head injuries. Um, because it's addressing it on so many different levels. Yeah. Yeah, and just all the different modalities that you can combine um, to be even more effective is just, I think it's just so cool. Um, I know personally I really I really enjoy the laser. Um, you know, I was a little skeptical of it at first. I'm like, eh, whatever. Um, but <laughs> I I really feel more... I don't know, energetic after a laser treatment on, on my head. Um, I don't know if that's the right word, but, like, it does. It kind of gives you a mood boost. You just kind of feel good. Um, and there's really yeah. no contraindications or, like, side effects from laser, right? Like, I mean, it's a pretty, like, pretty safe and broad-spectrum therapy, Right. Yeah, for the most part, you know, especially when we compare it to things that people perceive as fairly benign, like things like Tylenol or, um, mm -hmm. you know, other sorts of immensely common, like over-the-counter interventions. Um, if you look at that versus the rate of adverse events with something like a low-level laser, um, I mean, the, the two aren't even comparable at all. Yeah. Um, but just yeah. like anything else, you know, as time goes on and these technologies are, are studied more and more, um, you know, it's it's getting dialed in. Um, you know, we're learning more about the dosages. Um, you know, right now, uh, the research is suggesting that you want to be somewhere, uh, somewhere just under 10 uh, joules per centimeter squared, which is kind of like you know treatment per uh, amount of laser per treatment area. Um, but that's part of why you know we love our Arconia lasers because we know exactly what they're going to do, um, and the studies most of the ones that we read on transcranial applications, brain applications of cold laser are using zirconia devices. Um, so we can feel really safe and confident in, in our care and what mm -hmm. it's going to do to our patients. And we can tell them confidently, you know, this laser is going to do this to your brain and you should feel X or Y or Z afterwards. Um, yeah, immensely, immensely safe therapy. Yeah. Well, Dr. Z, thank you so much for being here and, and sharing this today. This has been a really informative conversation. Um, I do want to take a moment to mention, um, so you work at Apex Brain Centers, and wherever you're listening, there's a clickable link in the show notes so you can click through. 
And um, tell us a little bit about um, how how your like I know you probably offer a free consultation, um, and then what does it look like moving forward with you guys? If anyone is interested in working with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that opportunity. Um, so we um, so we do 15 minute consultations with anyone before they come into the doors uh, over the phone um, with either myself or Dr. Trayford um, or someone else from our clinical staff um, so that we can make sure that people know what to expect coming in and also make sure they're a good fit for our office. Um, you know, we never want to force someone through a program just for the sake of it. We want to make sure that it's, it's going to be helpful and, and it's going to be beneficial for them. Um, and from there, you know, based on what a patient's looking for, we can make our recommendations. Um, we see folks from all over the country and all over the world, actually. Um, and uh, uh, so for most people, when they're uh, interested in working with us, I usually refer them to our website, apexbraincenters.com, to see more about some of the services we offer and conditions we treat. One of the other things I recommend people check out is some of the videos we have on our website uh, uh, of our patients talking about their care and, and their results and, and what happened to them because you can kind of hear it straight from their mouth um, and, you know, explain it in ways that are simpler than my, you know, big words that I tend to use. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, also check out our, our Instagram page, Apex Brain Centers. Uh, try to just, you know, share little bits every now and then of here's a cool case study. Here's, you know, someone who had a success story. Here's some of the technology we use and why. Um, so I try to make it educational, but also, you know, I can't do anything without ha trying to have a little bit of humor in it. Um, so uh, check out the Instagram, check out the web page. Um, you know, we mostly work with patients who have suffered some form of brain injury, whether it's traumatic or acquired, like an anoxic brain injury or a, a stroke, um, mm -hmm. a head injury, traumatic brain injury. We also see people with neurodegenerative conditions, whether it's Alzheimer's disease, dementia, um, Parkinson's disease, and things along those lines. Um, and uh, learning and behavioral disorders, um, things like OCD um, and ADHD, um, specifically in adults, but we do work with uh, some of the pediatric population for that as well. Um, so, you know, for the most part, uh, it really just depends what you're looking for, um, but uh, we feel really confident in the care that we can deliver, um, and at the very least, people will leave the, the consult armed with some more information. So. Um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's pretty much everything I, uh, I wanted to shout out on that. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Z. Um, I appreciate you taking the time and sharing with our listeners. No, of course. I, uh, I actually um, I, I had the opportunity when I was a student to do some shadowing and a little bit of work in Dr. Shane Stedman's office following Dr. Perry Maynard around. So. Mm -hmm. um, that was that was kind of what put you on my radar. So I've, I've been a fan for a while, and uh, I'm really glad to be able to connect <laughs> with you on the podcast today. Maybe we can uh, figure out a part two sometime in 2024. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, and just a reminder, you can find all previous episodes on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes or Spotify, or you can find them directly at facesoftbi.com. We have about 250 episodes, so there should be something for everyone. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Amy Zellmer, and be sure to join 
Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it for just five bucks at buymeacoffee.com slash Z. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you in the next episode.